I do have a blog post. It's uh, what did I change the name to? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Oh, I'll get back to you on that one. Yeah, um, we are totally unprepared to end this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, like Google us. Like, That's sir, right. you can Google I us. I am Googleable. Hey everybody, my name is Jeremy. And I'm Jody. <laughs> and she didn't know that was coming. I'm sorry, I thought we were going with last <clears throat> name too. We are the Powell family, and this is the Unremarkable Podcast. So we want to take this moment, Jody and I, to to talk to you all, our listeners, and kind of explain in one kind of podcast why we felt like there was a need for for one more group of people talking about something. Sure, we um, we fall into a particular category that often has um, a, a subset in society, and we are a minister's family, and even more so, we're pastors' family. So we're not missionary families in terms of on the field and it's it's like a strange land, but yet we are. Yeah. And so when you hear about a pastor's family, I think there's naturally some things that kind of come up, um, in, in kind of what you're expecting, right? Like you hear pastor's family, there's some things you expect. Jody, what are, what are some things that when you hear that, that you kind of, you kind of expect? Oh, there's always the first assumption is the kids is how they're going to behave. You have your saintly, um, good pastor's kids. And then you have, oh, he's a PK. And that means he's rebellious and rowdy and probably, uh, going to try the patience of both parents and, um, any kind of authoritative figure. So we've got that stereotype that so we're going to talk about. Pastor's kids, we get to talk about that. And we'll actually, we'll have an episode where we sit down with our two girls, Emma and Abby. And listen, I, you, that's an episode you don't want to miss. No. I, um, have the privilege of talking to them regularly. So wise, um, to be 14 and 11. Um, yes, yes I see counsel in them often. Yeah. And so maybe you have a pastor's kid, um, in your family, or maybe you just got pastor's kids that are part of your church or your school or whatever it is. Um, I'm telling you the burden that they carry. I was just unaware of how big that was. Yeah. As a counselor, I'm always, um, acutely aware of, um, behavior usually has something that's ignited it or caused it, um, in any human being. Um, so when you're making these observations of pastor's kids, be aware that their behavior is usually caused by something. Right, and so there's going to be a common theme coming back. I think Jody and I have talked about kind of what we want this podcast to look like. And the common thing is going to come back to is how um, it happens in no matter what your job is, right? It happens sure. if, you're a, if you're a school teacher or if you're um, you know, a politician or a musician or whatever it right. is. Um, people look at your, um, your profession and, and they kind of define you by that. Really so they go, because it. you are an artist, this is the way that you are going to be. Exactly. There's just that stereotype. Right. And in the ministry, what that, what that does is it causes another, in my opinion, this is, this is my opinion for what it's worth, I think it causes another dilemma, and that is that the fact that what we do, what I do as mm-hmm. a pastor, is linked to my relationship with God. Right. So, so uh, on one hand, it's a job. On the other hand, um, I'm, I'm trying to lead people into a relationship with Jesus Christ, and mm-hmm. there's all kinds of weird things that come with that. And uh, but when you are a pastor, people start looking at you as 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 different, other than a human being. Exactly. Um, and so my friend Miles has a, a saying that he he probably didn't come up with it, but he says that that there's a difference in being a human being and a human doing. Mm. And I think a lot of times, no matter what your profession. 
Um, people can look at you, what you do, and, and they can think of you as a human doing. But there's more to every individual than what you do for a living. Sure. The same thing is true for us as a pastor. And, and I know that to be true for me. I never really thought about how that extrapolates out to my wife and to my kids as well. Did you know that I don't know how to sew? <laughs> is Did that something know? that all pastors' wives are supposed we, to know? We, we must be able to play the piano and play the piano. and have some extended level of home economics. Lead lead, <laughs> lead the women's ministry at the church. Yes, WMU, WMU. Can't, can't even that. say it. No, W M U. That's right. Women's Mission. Now, now I know that is a fantastic organization. My mother led it for years, but I have yeah. not led it. So. Nothing against our WMU people out there. No, no, we no. love the it's WMU, just, but a... but there is an expectation that's put on on you, Jody, mm-hmm. as as a pastor's wife, and you you not only get to be a guidance counselor, a school teacher, whatever your profession is, and wrestle with that human doing versus human being, right. but also you have to deal with your husband's profession as well. What's fun is when either Jeremy or I walk in the room, the conversation always changes. People could be talking about what they're buying for their grocery list, and they just all of a sudden That's feel right. uncomfortable because now this saintly creature has walked in the room, yeah. and they can't tell anybody they're buying um, olives for their martinis. So. That's right. Or, or like, you know, you see somebody down the way at, at Walmart, and you happen to notice that maybe have a bottle of wine or... Or a six pack of beer in their they, in their bucket. They like they quickly go buy towels and throw it on top. Yeah, of Yeah, or they or they jet down an aisle like to try to avoid you. Yeah, you know um, the Lord is uh, is not using us to uh, be the eyes for Him. He sees right, yeah. everything. Yeah, that's anyway. right. Yeah, you don't have to hide it from us. Um, <laughs> my favorite is is um, back when we lived in Texas and I was going to school. Um, we used to go on um, on days off from school sometimes, and we'd go play golf. There was yes. a golf course near us that did an all-you-can-eat, all-you-can-play for like 30 bucks. Yes. And so we'd go and play all day long and, and eat at the grill and all that. And my favorite is if there was an odd number of us and we would get paired up with somebody that didn't know who we were, right? Right. And, you know, you play golf <laughs> with people and they, they hit bad shots and they get frustrated and you get to, you know, the fourth hole. It's and It's more than just throwing clubs. That's right. They get to about the fourth hole and they've cracked open a beer and they've, they've lit up a cigar and... That's about the conversation. Isn't that just no wait? The conversation kind of shifts over to so what do you do for a living? And that's when you go, well, I'm a pastor. And immediately they like try they snuff the cigar out. The cigar's thrown in the pond. They toss the beer out and they're like, I'm so sorry for my language. And I'm like, hi, like you don't have to, you know. It's it's just this idea that 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 I am more than what it is that I do. It's like we're the the elf on the shelf for Jesus. <laughs> like a little pastor on a shelf wearing a suit. Yes. And that's what we need. We wa- we're watching for yeah. Jesus, and we're going back and telling yeah. him. So the danger in this that I really wanted to, to illustrate, the danger in this is that when you operate from a position of a human doing versus a human being mm-hmm. in the ministry, mm-hmm. um, in particular in the ministry, what happens is, is eventually you can kind of lose yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you can forget who it is that God made you to be. You can forget um, your own personality and kind of lose yourself in that process. And I, that very thing happened to me. Right. Um, I, I think maybe you've struggled with some of that as Absolutely. well. Tell me in what ways have you struggled with maybe losing who God made you and your wiring in this human doing, in this being a pastor's wife? Um, well, I'm not... Um, anything that you would call typical, um, but um, I'm very... <laughs> you have to explain what that I'm, means. I'm pretty opinionated, and I, I used to be a, a lot more vocal in my opinions, um, and uh, I have struggled with how to com- find my voice again, um, because um, you want to not detract people from um, a relationship with Christ, but at the same time, you want to be a bearer of truth, um, and so um, I've 
I've actually paused my writing for a little while because my voice has um, been muted. And, and so um, that's something that I think I've wrestled with, um, whether or not my children have the right outfits on, even when we first started um, having kids and making sure they look perfect. And as you can see in our, our uh, I guess our logo, is that what you would call our it? Our graphic for our... That's yeah. our kids. Like, you just aren't going to get um, picture-perfect um, bows yeah. and, and um, smocking. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we, we're limited on the smocking. No. In particular, I want to share I want to share a story. So when we moved to seminary, well, first of all, I met my wife in... I met Jody. I met you in college. And, um, go dogs. Go Bulldogs, Sanford Bulldogs. And I think what drew me to you was that um, and I think this may be what drew us to each other is we were this, this, this mix of, we love Jesus and we want to pursue Christ. Um, you think but, I have a t-shirt right now? I love Jesus, but. Yeah, but, but like, but like we, we, we wanted to make that faith our own. We wanted to pursue him in a way that was relevant to us. Our parents' faith was so impactful, I think, in both of our lives. Absolutely. But we wanted something different, deeper, mm-hmm. better. We wanted we wanted to be able to love Jesus through the way that we were wired. Right. Um, so <clears throat> I remember when we first moved out to Texas after we got married and, and then we moved out there to go to seminary, um, you had a, a saying, you had a phrase that you would say all the time because, and, and this will be another po- another episode in the podcast, but stay tuned. stuff just happened to us. Like oh, man. houses would flood and cars would go out breaks and brakes would fell out of the bottom. Yeah, like it was just crazy. The stuff that happened, and your phrase that you kept using was... What the crap. What the crap. <laughs> and um, you'd say it all the time. So much so, I thought it was so cute. I loved it. Um, I recorded my first blog. This is title of her first blog. I recorded you saying, what the crap. <laughs> yes, right. And I made it the ringtone to my phone <laughs> um, when we were in Texas. And uh, there I was, I was the associate pastor at a church, and it was a very small church, and we were trying to revitalize this church, and... Kind of, kind of help it to grow. It had gone through some difficult times, mm, and some um, crap. it was gone through some crap. <laughs> I was the associate pastor, and my buddy Randall was the the senior pastor. And um, it was such a small church; it only had one office. And so mm-hmm. Randall and I were both full time, but we shared an office. But backstory: you were already used to that because in your previous church, you had yeah. shared. Yeah, shout office. out to my boy Randall. We shared an office for like three years. Randall, um, it was incredible. But but we were in this in this particular office. Um, of the church, and I had left my cell phone in the <laughs> office with him, and he had a meeting, and, and I don't I don't want to um, misspeak. It, I don't remember who exactly the meeting with it was, but it makes me think it was like the representative from Gideon's International. Like, it was like a Gideon, <laughs> It was a you know, solemn meeting. One of, like, the, the, the nicest men. The Gideons are the nicest men in the world. Like, they give Bibles away. Like, That's how right. cool is that? And um, and so he's in the meeting, and while he's while Randall is in this meeting with this Gideon in the office that we share, I'm not in there, but my cell phone is in there, and the phone call, like Jody calls me, and and out of the blue, you just hear my wife saying, "What the crap? What the crap?" Over and over again, "What the crap? What, what the, the crap?" crap? <clears throat> and so Randall came to me, and he was like, "Hey, I think it's funny. <laughs> Maybe you should change your ringtone." Why I ask. <clears throat> And that was, I think that was a moment, whether we realized it or not, I think that may have been a moment for you. It was, yes. I felt very muted because me being me was not acceptable. Mm-hmm. And so it's time to shift my um, my voice or or change my tone. And, and, uh, and, I, and I, I have, I think in the past, I probably the past 12 to 18 months, I've become 
um, more aware that that was a mistake, um, that I should have just continued to be myself and, and allowed um, the Lord to use me as he's wired me um, and to um, orient me around people that that needed my voice so that they could come to a realization of who he is. And, and often I've been told by people that, that do get to know me that I'm not what they expect and I'm more real and that makes Christianity more appealing. And, um, and that's something I've wrestled with. And I think that it's time that um, I find that voice again and stop being consumed with um, falling into a stereotypical mold. Um, I don't, and I don't mean to be irreverent. That's never ever yeah. the consideration. Yeah. I, I think um, the holiness of the the not the burden, but the the role of which God has called me to, and we'll get to that one day too. When Jeremy actually told me what God had called him to, but um, I, I I wanted to be real and relevant. Yeah, and so you <clears throat> you made a, a a distinction that I want to to kind of flesh out a little bit, you said, like, I don't want to be irreverent. I just want to be real. And right. and, and how do you balance that line, walk that line? How do I personally? It's a daily battle. Um, I think um, coming to an understanding of um, when, to, when to utilize my tone and my voice for um, um, speaking truth and when to be silent because... Um, the truth is speaking for itself, and I don't need to be um, redundant. Right. Yeah. So, so in, in my own life, there was a there was a moment um, where, as a pastor, I, I made just a two degree shift in who I was, mm-hmm. and uh, and it was so so pivotal in my life. And 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 I think in the last couple of years, just like you, I've come to the realization of, hey, God made me the way He made me. He didn't make a mistake. Right. When he did that. Right. And when he called me to the ministry, he didn't call me to be somebody that I wasn't. Right. Um, so for me, it was uh, right after we had taken my first job as a senior pastor of a church. I was 29 years old when we a took baby. that job. Baby. And, and then and then turned 30, um, moving into that first Good Christmas, time. that first Christmas that we were there. We had, um, Abigail was, I guess, about a month old, a month mm-hmm. and two months old mm-hmm. at the time. Emma um, was uh, three ish, yeah. And um, Jody, you love to host at this particular I time in life. You love to have people at the house. And so you decided we had just moved to this new community. You wanted to have a New Year's party. That's right. So what that meant was we had because people. Because we're real. Yeah, we just have a New Year's party. And so we had a New Year's party. And, and that what that meant is we invited some people from our church that we had met, that we were developing relationships with. Mm-hmm. We um, we had their kids there. We played, uh, if I'm not mistaken, we played Dance Dance Revolution. Yes. On the Wii that I'd gotten that year for yes, Christmas. Gr- uh, not Garage Band. But rock Band. Rock Band. We played Rock Band. And it was um, off the beat. <laughs> yeah, it, it, we played, off, yeah, the, the timing between the TV and the Wii was off. I remember that now. <laughs> <clears throat> and, and Jody had great food. There were people coming and going and. It wasn't too many people there. I mean, it was probably 10 or 15 people that we had. If you're counting kids, yeah. I've yeah. A little more than that, but we yeah. put our kids to bed, and midnight came, and um, and, and about 12, 15, people started kind of moving towards the door um, because we're getting older, and, like, staying up till 1 or 2 in the morning is just not good because whether you, when you have kids, you realize this. When you have kids, no matter how late you stay up, they're still getting up, <laughs> they're at, getting six up at 6 o'clock. Yeah, mm-hmm. so... Um, we started started getting up, and and the thing that the way that I tell the story, I don't remember who fired the first paintball shot. That would be the neighbor. The neighbor, 
across the street from us uh, was a family, the Schaefer family, and we love the Schaefer, Scott and Megan, and they have three boys. Shout out, shout out. And, um, <clears throat> and, and we really hadn't gotten to know them yet, otherwise we'd have invited them to the party. Well, no, no. Uh, Scott and I went to high school together. Yeah, but but we we didn't know them very well yet. They they were they had kind of come That's to Hayden true. where we were at and and but we really were just kind of getting to know them and and uh, some people that were at our party and the Schaefers began lobbing paintballs at each other <laughs> in our in our little neighborhood. Remember, it's like it, at this point it's twelve thirty, oh, yeah. um, and I had gotten some paintball equipment um, for my birthday, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. So we pull out all the guns and paintballs and face masks and all yes, that stuff. You and multiple other gentlemen. We get, I mean, there were some kids involved, I think, I think at the time, now they're, they're grown adults, but yes. at the time they were kids. Yes. And we're, we're lobbing paintballs, and Megan is on the, is on the front porch <laughs> of her house across the street. It's dark, you can't see her, but she's yelling at us like, you turds better get back in. You know, she's like screaming at us um, in her Alabama, you know, rural Alabama accent. It was incredible. Oh, I love Scott, it. Scott, meanwhile, had donned all camo and was like crawling That's through the woods. That's what it was. He did a sneak attack. We didn't um, know it was so much fun. And, and, and by two in the morning, it was over, I think. Um, but we had just engaged in this massive paintball war. It was fabulous. Um, and, and there weren't really any neighbors at the time that were very too terribly close. I don't think we caused much of a ruckus. No. Um, but it was so much fun. Everybody had a good time. And, and word around our small little town traveled pretty fast, <laughs> as you can imagine. And really, social media wasn't the reason. Social media wasn't people, the reason. It was just people talking, talking about, about it. the new pastor at the church yes. and his paintball war. Yes. Well, the next week I, I show up at the office. At this time, I'm the only full-time staff member. Um, we were still in the process of hiring another full-time staff member, and I had a secretary that was there, and and um, and and she and I got to talking, and she said to me, she said, "Yeah, word has gotten around about your your paintball war," and I was like, "Oh, really?" And I kind of laughed because that was just fun. We didn't think anything about it, and she said, "Yeah, th- what what they said was that that was not behavior becoming a pastor." Mm. And, uh, and there was this moment, it was a real moment where I sat in my office after she told me that, where I went, okay, if, if that's the way it is, if that's the way that, that pastors are supposed to behave, um, then, then I can't do that anymore. And I made, I made a little shift mm-hmm. in my life. And what I said subconsciously, not really even like it wasn't a conscious effort, but what I said to myself was a little bit like what you said, right? Right. You, your voice felt muted. For me, yes. it was like, I can't be me right. and be a pastor. Like, right. I can't have fun like this right. and be a pastor. And so I made this little bitty shift. It wasn't like I was a you know a hellion before, right? No. I made just a little bitty shift. And what happened is when you extrapolate that over 11 years of being a senior pastor, um, what happened was I lost me. Right. And I think you lost me. You lost you, too, somewhere Well, I think on. both of us making that slight adjustment also caused tension and um, distance because the people we married started changing. That's and, right. And that, and that um, we both felt the pressure of expectation, and we both didn't want the other to fall to that pressure. Right. Um, and that would cause some tense moments, and, and, and then there's that... But then there's the realness at the pressure. Yeah. And, and, and so, like, what I, what I wanted to, to say was is that, like, there's, there's this, this, this expectation that either is put on us by the people in our congregation or by the people in our community. Like, like sometimes it's not even people that we're ministering to. It's people that go to the church down the street. Mm-hmm. And we spend so much effort trying to keep Christians that don't go to our church happy. 
right it boggled my mind and and you felt that oh absolutely i mean i'm working out in the community where um, questions are being asked about how we handle certain situations or how many times that someone's come up to me in the community and say so how are you guys handling so and so that question you know and they're they're not they're not concerned about the person they're wanting to judge how our church is um, how we're leading our church. Right. And and so sometimes those expectations are put on you by other people. For me, and I can't speak for you, Jody, but actually I'd love to, to, to try to speak for you. Okay. I, I think that the expectations that I felt were primarily put on me by me. Hmm. I think it'd be real easy for me to be a scape, like to make the congregation, the people we minister to a scapegoat. Hmm. But I think I'm the one that put those expectations on me. And, and if I were to look back, with regard to your voice and muting your voice, I think I'm the one that put those expectations on you as well. <laughs> we used to joke, or you used to joke, when we first started ministry that I was going to be the reason you got kicked out of a church. And I think that stuck. And and I think you were saying it in jest, but I took it as yeah. a fear of yours that yeah. me being me was going yeah. to embarrass you. And so, <clears throat> be I, that... Go ahead. I'm not, like, crazy. Like, I, I our first pastor's wife that we served under makes my life like I want to be her because she would talk to her her husband from the pulpit like she oh would, Jack, Judy Studi she would call him out now, her name was Judy Studi she's so cute and we can say now her listen, name because she'll never listen to this yeah now listen preacher she and during the sermon she would say that now listen preacher don't be saying that I'm like she just said that to him in the middle of the sermon you go yeah <laughs> and, and, and so there there's this point where you have to come to individually as a pastor where you go I'm gonna love my wife for who God made her to be mm. Not for who. Just mood. Not you just moved. That's what I said. That's how you know something's good. Whenever you say something when you're preaching or speaking or talking to somebody, you say something that's really good and they moo. They go, mmm. Mm. You know that's when it's good. We Jody, need more mooing in church. We need, need, need more mooing. Um, you know, expectations that I put on you or, or I expect you to be somebody, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that came from really this idea that I had to be somebody different. Sure. I had to be the guy that wore the, the you know, the pressed. You know, docker khakis and mm-hmm. and um, and polo shirt every day to church mm-hmm. with and the not fun socks and not fun socks or whatever it may be. Yeah, like wh- whatever. Um, I, I'm the guy that had to look like he had it put all together, right? And 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 you know, had to have the perfect family and had to have the kids in the smocking and and the thing is, is that whether those expectations are put on us by others or whether they're put on us by ourselves, the expectations are real, right? And, and what happened for me, and it was, it was such a real moment, and I hope to in the podcast be able to share some of this, but, but it was this moment where I, where I finally went, hey, that's not who God made me to be. Amen. And I, and I want to be, and I want my wife to be, and I want my kids to be the people that God made them to be, not some image of a pastor's family. Right. And, and, and so that's, that's what, what really we want to communicate to people that are in the ministry and to people that know people that are in the ministry and people that are in the church right. to know your, your, your heavenly father made your pastor, the, the, the staff, people at your church, he made them a certain way and to expect them to be, you know, who your last pastor was. No. Um, so, so I, I, I'll, I don't know if I could share this story, well, but, but without names. So like like I can remember when I was leaving one church going to another church and I was helping that church put together um, a profile of the next pastor that they would hire mm-hmm. and and as they laid the profile out the profile of the individual they laid out was me 
It was they wanted somebody this age, my age, married with kids my age. Because you're remarkable. Because I'm remarkable. Um, but but they that that was who they wanted, and I felt so sorry immediately for the next guy, mm. because there was an expectation that's going to be placed on him to not be himself, to be somebody else. And I think that's something that we see in every occupation. So, like, I recently just took, you know, recently, like, a few years ago, just took the seat of a, um, a, a person that had the seat before me for 25 years and was remarkable. And yeah. I, But I had to remind myself that I am not her, and I will never be her. She is... Um, you know, I need to be me, and I need to excel at what God has gifted me to be. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, there's still that understanding of, well, so-and-so has done it this way. And, you know, we see that in every occupation. Well, we used to do what we've always done, and but it's really big in church. Right, right. And so when we finally got to that point as, as a pastor's family, and, as, and for me as a pastor, like I'm just trying to be real, I think I struggled with this a lot more than you did. We're starting to see it in our kids, and I think that may be more and yeah. more why we're ready to be real. Because we don't want them to yeah. fall into that. What was interesting is that when you start being real, like when you stand up in front of your congregation and you say, look, last night, uh, my wife and I, we fought like cats and dogs. like Over laundry. Over over something so stupid, right? Or, or you go, hey, listen, like my wife and I or my kids and I, or we're really wrestling with this, right? You know, like... I'm struggling with with faith. Like I remember, you know, standing up in in my congregation, and going like, sometimes people ask me if I have doubts about my mm-hmm. faith, and I'm like, my response is is similar to Andy Stanley's, right? It's like, listen, I studied for three and a half years theology. Like I I can read Greek and Hebrew. Like right. I have doubts that some of you guys haven't even thought about yet. Mm-hmm. Like of course I have doubts. Like and just being honest with that and going, man, there's times when I struggle, like because I don't feel like God hears my prayers. That's big, too, though, for us to be able to have the freedom to say, I don't know. Yeah. Like, when people ask me, like, you know, simple questions, like, our children ask, why did God make wasps? You know, <laughs> I, I don't know. I really, I yeah. don't know. But yeah. then there's questions of, you know, why is this, why did this mother have to go through yeah. 38 weeks of a pregnancy for a stillborn and... Mm. You know, that's a tough one. But I know God has a greater plan, but if they don't know God, right, that's hard. What we found, and, and, and I, I would love to hear you talk about this because I get to, I get to hear the, the, the testimony sometimes from, from people in our church, but like what we found is that when you pause and say, I'm not going to put on the facade, I'm not mm-hmm. going to put lipstick on the pig anymore, I'm going <laughs> to tell you like... There's times where it really sucks. There's times where we have what the crap moments in our family. Absolutely. There's today. There, today. There's times where we where where Jody and I struggle to pray with each other. And mm-hmm. there's times where where um, we don't really know what it means to to be spiritual leaders mm-hmm. in our home. Mm-hmm. And, and there's times where we don't know the right decision to make with our kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and and what I found is that when we are real, right. Not 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 irreverent. Right. Not not in any way shunning our responsibility or shirking our responsibility to be obedient to Christ. But when we're real and we say, we have this struggle as a pastor's family, our congregation responds not by rejecting us, but by going, oh, thank goodness you too. 
Right. No, it's, it, we all want to be a part of something and we all want to feel like we belong. And it makes it so much easier to feel like you belong when you recognize that imperfections are abounding. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's dangerous when you take a pastor or a pastor's family and you put them on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. Because then when we realize that they're, they're only human beings, then not human doings, right? then our faith is shaken by that. Right, right. And I think I see a lot of pastors who need to be um, released from yeah. that burden. Um, they feel like they've worn a mask because... Because they've had to, not because they want to, but they, yeah. it's so much so that they don't know how to take it off. No, I, I agree. They, they've, they've worn the mask for so long, they don't know who they are anymore. Yeah. And I look at it with pastor's wives too. Like I, I can reflect back on primarily two in my, my development and one was, um, perfect. Um, she, was so, you know, well put together and led a sixth grade Sunday school class and was um, very beautifully um, served her husband and, um, and, and was connected and interwoven into the church. And the other was very distant from the church and very guarded and protected. And, um, and uh, I just saw those very different. And I know that they both were dealing with it in different ways. Yeah. And so I can only imagine, like, I can remember... How, like I say, I can remember like it was a long time ago. It wasn't that long ago where I, I, I felt the burden every day mm-hmm. of, of trying to be someone I wasn't, mm-hmm. of, of trying to put it all together. I, I, I felt the burden of sitting in meetings with pastors and listening to them give me their whitewashed version of an Instagram story of what's going on in their churches and me going, yeah, well, um, I just had five volunteers in our children's ministry quit last week um, (laughs) because we don't know how to check kids in and out and my security team can't seem to get you know, all of their stuff together. And, um, and, uh, someone threw up in the foyer, um, <laughs> last week in between services and there was no one to clean it up, you know? And like, like, like I, I feel all of that. And, oh man, you're doing, you're doing how many mission trips this year? Gosh, I can't even compare to that. Like I remember, like, I, I know right. what it's like to feel that tension. And, and if you're out there and you're listening, you're a pastor, let me just tell you, like, I get it. I, I know what it feels like. And Jody's words were so good. Like, some of you need to be released from that. Right. See, see, here's here's the thing that that I I want us to know so much. Like I'm trying to make this a part of my life, and I want the pastors that are out there listening to hear this. I want the pastors' families that are out mm-hmm. there listening to hear this. I want the people in the congregation to hear this. When your church hired you, well, well, let me back up. I'll even say it differently. When God called you to the ministry, right? <laughs> he called you a man, you a woman. He called you a family. Right. He did not call you to be Jesus. No. Gosh, he didn't call you to be Jesus. And the thing is, is that when you expect yourself to be Jesus, when you expect yourself to be omniscient and omnipotent and omnibenevolent and omnipresent, right? Like when you expect yourself to get it all right all the time and never make mistakes and have the perfect family that wears the right smocking on the right day of the year and all that. Like I'm just telling you what happens when your congregation expects that of you and what happens when you expect that of you is you end up putting yourself on a cross. Mm -hmm. And there's only one one that belongs on the cross, and that's Jesus. And you walk away 
from your calling because yeah. it becomes too heavy. Yeah. The mm-hmm. cross is too heavy. Nine out of ten. Nine out of ten people in the ministry today will retire from something other than the ministry. Yes. And when I expect my wife to be more than just a woman who's trying to pursue Jesus, then I put her on a cross. And when we expect our children to be more than just children trying to pursue Jesus, then we put them on a cross. Right. Like, I'm telling you, I think we expect way more of ourselves. And in some cases, our congregations expect more of us than we expect of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, just understanding that um, God has called you to be who you are. So if he's called you, spouse, to be a nurse or to be um, you know, a police officer or whatever you were going to do for your occupation, you go and do that and you reflect him. You know, you know, we are, you know, not necessarily we're going to be replace Jesus, but you are to reflect Jesus right. in that particular place of service. And then you are to serve your husband as a wife, not necessarily as a pastor's wife, but as right. you are his helpmate. And that involves whatever his occupation is. You are his helpmate. You're praying for him as if your husband were going into work a crane, you're going to pray for him that he has a good day and that he's able to connect with people and get his job done and he does it well so it glorifies and honors God. And and so our our role as a wife first is as a wife just to our spouse, not just a pastor's wife. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, um, recognizing so many, you know, wives and, and so many pastor's families feel the need to fall into this um, role of leadership where they have they must do it this way and this way and this way or they're going to be spoken about. But yeah. focus on the priority of your calling. You are called to be, as a Christian, you're called to be a follower and reflect God and draw people into a relationship with Him simply by being... Um, we like to, I did a Bible study with Emma and her friends called Magnetic and... Um, I'm so sorry, author. I'll give you a shout out in show notes, but um, <laughs> we don't have show notes. <laughs> we gotta figure that out. <laughs> um, but you're you being you makes you magnetic, and people are drawn to you and want to know what makes you different. And and I think that goes for all of us. Um, yeah. So be magnetic in your um, in your relationship with Christ, and then your second role is a spouse, a helpmate. Um, and you are to be a supporter, um, a prayer warrior. Um, and then your third role, if you do have children, is to be a mom. And then the other stuff falls into place. Lynn, is that Lynn Cowell? Lynn Cowell. Yeah, Lynn. Shout out to you, my friend. So sorry. Magnetic. Good book. If you are parenting girls, do it. That's yeah. a good one. But I think, I think you're exactly right, Jody. I think it's recognizing that first God expects me to be a human being that's made in His image. That's yes. reflecting Him. Yes. Um, who is pursuing Him, uh, but yet who is not perfect yet, right? There, right. there will be a day where He will make us perfect. Praise God for that. Yes. I can't wait for that because, by the way, when I get my perfect body, <laughs> like I'm waiting on that you mean, moment. You mean after your January first resolution? Yeah. Well, yeah. So that's a little sensitive, but um, <laughs> that is way sensitive. Um, but, uh, but, but, like. But man, you are you you are more than what you do. Mm. Um, you're more than than your profession. You're more than a human doing. You're a human being, right. and that means that you have flaws and mis- you make mistakes. And sometimes those mistakes come with consequences. Right. 
And that's okay. Right. We, we, we can deal with those and work those. Praise God for His grace. Right. Um, and, and that's a message, by the way, that our congregations respond to. Yes. When you put this facade of this perfect family, perfect man, perfect woman, perfect kids in front of them, not only can we as a family not maintain that, but but then it, it, it creates this image of, of perfection that no one can attain to. Right. Does, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. But when you open up and go, good night, I'm, I'm struggling. Like your congregation goes, okay, we're all in this journey. Yes. Together. Yes. So that's why we're doing this podcast. We want to talk about those things that are really, just to be honest with you, some of them are just absolutely hilarious <laughs> that we have to go through. What the crap? What the crap? Like just junk that we've gone through, um, stuff that we've experienced and, and, and wrestled with, and the struggles that we have as husband and wife, the struggles that we have as parents. Um, friends. Friends. The struggles we have as being fr- maintaining friendships. Ex- and Extended family. Dealing with family and all those things. The frustration that I get every time I go to a meal somewhere and I'm the one that's asked to pray because I'm a pastor. Again. (sighs) Like no one else can talk to Jesus, just me. Um, But regardless, we want to talk to you all about that. And that's the reason why we we chose the word unremarkable to call our podcast. Right. Um, It's not because we think necessarily like we aren't like cool. Because we are. I think we're cool. Beyond. Um, I mean, I think... Lit. Isn't that what we say now? No, we should remove that from our vocabulary. But, <laughs> but we're way too old to say lit, I think, aren't we? What? No. We're lit. Like, that's anyway. Lit. Um, Preacher. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Right now, our kids just tuned out out of embarrassment. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> we chose Unremarkable. It's not because we don't think we're cool. My mama told me we were cool. But um, it, it has right. nothing to do with that. And it has everything to do with with the fact that we are um, we are exactly where we're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So, um, for those who don't know, my um, background is kind of in medicine, and um, did an undergraduate degree in biology. Went to Vanderbilt and and did some work there, um, it, it, working on microbiology, immunology type stuff. And when you do case studies, or when you go and see a patient, and you write a case history of that patient. And, and and you get a blood work back or you get a, a vital sign back, and that vital sign or that blood work is what we might call in the real world normal. Mm-hmm. Um, in medical terminology, you don't say normal. And, and the reason you don't say normal is because what's normal for Jody may not be normal for me. So Definitely. real life, like real talk right here, like normal kidney function for Jody is much better than normal kidney function for Jeremy. Correct. When they, when they look at my kidney function, they go, oh, that's where Jeremy should be. But they can't say normal. So what they say is that kidney function is unremarkable. That That's blood right. work is unremarkable. It's a medical way of saying that normal is something that is relative. What's normal in one family may not be normal in another family. Correct. And so it's unremarkable. And so that's that's what we wanted to say is that our family is unremarkable. Our family, it, it, we're a pastor's family. Yes. We love Jesus. We do. We have kids that love Jesus. They do so well. But But, but we're just like everybody else. Yes. We're just at a baseline, right? We're yes. just, we're exactly where we're supposed to be. And it may not be normal for you, but it's it's normal for us. And it's it's unremarkable. Mm. And the other reason we chose it is because um, we don't want our family to be the what people remember 
mm. when they think about our family. No. When they when they think about our family, I would love for our family to be unremarkable. I would love for them, I would love for our family to point people to a Savior that's so remarkable. That's exactly right. We want to make sure, um, our Jeremy's prayer has been for us since I think we've been having kids, is uh. that um, God would use us to make him famous. And, um, and that's what we want. When you hear our name, we want you to smile and think of, um, God's grace and yeah. mercy. Yeah, we want you to look at us and how screwed up we are. I know, and he still loves us. Yeah, <laughs> how jacked up we are and how what the crap our life is. And go, what a good God that Amen. would call these idiots into ministry. <laughs> <laughs> right? I think I have some intelligence. Well, I'm sorry. I was thinking much. about myself uh, more so than you. <laughs> So that's it. So we're going to uh, try to have some podcasts regularly and that's post right. these. And um, every podcast we decided, we, we had to do this cool thing. So like, you know, Annie F. Downs asks, like, what's fun? Yes. And uh, what are some others? Like, um, so uh, Jamie um, Ivy asks, what three things are you reading? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, uh, Knox and Jamie from the podcast, like, they, they ask, mm-hmm. they do lights, green lights, lights and red lights. So let's do lights. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, like, we were like, what can we do? And so we came up with a couple questions. And, uh, and so, Jody, I'm going to ask you the questions. Okay. If you can answer. We'll ask these. If we have guests on, we'll ask them. But I think it'd be cool to ask this of us every time because Absolutely. maybe it'll change, right? I hope so. That so means our, we're progressing. Uh, yeah, so our podcast is unremarkable. So yes. all the questions have to do with being remarkable. So first question is, what is remarkable in your life right now? Uh, well, Trader Joe's would be <laughs> remarkable. Um, but more specifically... Um, no, stick with Trader Joe's. Oh, because Tra- I could do an individual item from there every week. Yeah. So Trader Joe's, for those who don't know, we live in Union City, Tennessee. Yes. The nearest Trader Joe's is three hours from us. Yes. In there Nashville. might be one in Memphis. I, we haven't I found doubt that it. one yet. I don't know. We just recently were in Birmingham, and, and whenever we're in a city that has a Trader Joe's, right. my, my bride is like, we got to go hit up Trader Joe's. Smoked salmon dip. Smoke. Oh, that's legit. It's in the fridge right now. Yeah, smoke. Is it really? Yes, sir. Why am I not eating it right now? Get it out. Smoked salmon dip. Okay, so Trader Joe's. Anything else that's remarkable? No, no, I'll limit to one because then I'll have more stuff to say next time. Okay. Smoked salmon dip. Okay, so smoked salmon dip is remarkable to you right now. Oh, my gosh, so good. Okay. I may carry it for lunch tomorrow. Okay. Uh, What is remarkable to me right now? Yes, let me ask you. What is remarkable to you right now, Jeremy? Heated steering wheels. Isn't that fun? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Y'all, I had no idea. I know we're like 10 years behind the curve. <laughs> <laughs> we just got a new car and it has it. And it has been colder than butt here. <laughs> That's right. And in, uh, in Northwest Tennessee, um, ice and snow. They canceled church on Sunday. And um, and we were driving back up here from, from Birmingham yesterday. That's right. And it didn't give up like 28. Heated steering wheels I'm sorry minnesota and all you other people this is about as tough as we can handle yeah but y'all they've got heated steering wheels now like you don't have to wear gloves Mm-mm. any it's of so, that so toasty wonderful yeah. i will never not have that that's a luxury i'll take can i can i add can i can i add something unremarkable something that frustrates me 
Unremarkable or remarkable? Unremarkable. Okay, go. Is that allowable? Is that too negative? No, go for it. Wait, I'm going to have to limit you. He is a complainer. Yeah, but, but it's two things. It has to do with hands and feet. Okay. okay. One thing has to do with face. Okay. I can't find gloves that fit me right. Yeah, hook us up, people. Maybe. I have crazy, apparently crazy small hands and crazy small feet. <laughs> um, I'm like a, not a big dude anyway, but like we have to special order my shoes. <laughs> like I've heard of people that are like, like Shaquille O'Neal has a special order his shoes, right? You too. You should feel special like him. But like I, I wear, see, y'all, like I wear a size seven. Yeah. Which like you can sometimes buy in the children's department. <laughs> you can. I love that because that's cheaper. They're cheaper. Okay, I mean, okay. But like you bought me. It's not me. just size though. It's it's the glove structure because I run. I'm a runner. I run outside and I've gone through, I don't know, what, seven pairs of gloves and I've yet to find one that keep my fingers warm. So, so like because my Jeep doesn't have heated steering wheels, <laughs> I need to wear gloves. And so for Christmas, my wife bought me. Shark Tank people. Figure out how Figure to, this out. Uh, oh, my gosh. Older cars. How do Mark you get- Cuban, get over this. <laughs> Come on, man. Mark Cuban, you get on this. Yeah, um, everybody go. Okay. So, but, like, but for like, Christmas. Jody bought me for Christmas some nice gloves, like North Face gloves. Like, yeah. they look like they really you keep my hands on. on. And, like and I look like I'm wearing my Papa's gloves when I put them on. <laughs> like, but you tried them on in the store. I, I don't know what's wrong. Okay. I don't know. We'll throw them in the dryer. It's always the Something. Option. Okay, I'm sorry. All right, next question. Just in general, that was what is remarkable in your life, and then the second thing, just tell me what is remarkable. Something. Nope. Who? Who? I'm sorry. Who is remarkable? Who yeah. is remarkable? Who is remarkable? Um, well, currently, um, I, let's see, I just finished Finish by John Acuff. Yeah. And he uncovered a lot of things. That's been a struggle for me, oh, I don't know, all my life. <laughs> so to finish something, like I, one time I put post-it notes and put them on the washing machine, Finish. Because I need to finish my laundry. I always say I'll finish it in the morning. And then I don't. Because then I have sour clothes. Um, but what he said in that was is, is so true. He talked about, he said a lot of great things. But one thing he said in there was talking about the day after you miss a, a, a habit. Yeah, it was the day after imperfect. Yes. and Or the day after perfect. That's what it was. where do you go from there? And it's whether or not you actually get back, you know, to, I don't know his wording, but to get back in the saddle and... So, like, if you run every day from January 1st and then you don't run on January 19th, are you, oh, well, you didn't do it, so I'm just, I'm done. I can't do it because I didn't get it all, every day. Like, I plan to, or do you get back in the saddle and you try again on January 20th or 22nd? And, right. And that's big. I needed to be reminded of that. Is You know, I've I've written a couple of different posts. I haven't posted any more on my blog, but I've written the several, and it's it's a, no, don't give up. Keep going, keep going, and that's that's been that's that was a great book, John. Good job. Yeah, it, it, but we have a tie to John. Yes, we do. Go dogs. Yeah, we we went to Sanford with John, and we're there at I the think same he time. Threw he was you up there. in the air, right? He he did not throw me in the air. We did step scene together, which is like a show choir thing that you do at Sanford. We did a show called This Thing Called Love. Uh, we yeah. were the independent men because we yes. weren't in fraternities. Yes. In that show, I did get thrown in the air. Basket toss. But John did not throw me in the okay. air. Uh, that I remember. Jeremy, it was the guy flying in the air, John. Just remember that. Yeah, no. It, I, I've talked to John about this because um, John's a big deal and I'm not. And John, <laughs> I've talked to John about this a couple times. And he is convinced we did a different show together. But I only did mm-hmm. Sing once, so mm-hmm. I know. It, you guys are totally bored with this conversation. Anyway, so John Acuff is who is remarkable to you. Yes, Okay. Right so for me, you want to ask me? 
Who is remarkable to you Thank right you. now? You mean besides you and your gorgeous oh, face? Stop okay. It. Um, so I uh, just finished a sermon a couple a couple weeks ago um, on uh, unsubscribing from um, from complaining, mm. which is a big thing that I have. And in it, I I quoted uh, a guy that Annie F. Downs had quoted. I, I stole the quote from her. A guy named Frederick Buckner, and Frederick. Um, is 92 years old. He's a Presbyterian minister that writes books. He lives in, in New England. And as I was studying for that, I knew I was going to quote him, and so I thought I should read something that, that he wrote. And, and so I bought a book of his, and it is absolutely remarkable. It is amazing about slowing down and stopping um, and uh, and really like observing the, um, uh, the, the, the beauty of the world as you see it, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, the book that I read is called The Remarkable Ordinary by mm-hmm. Frederick Ruttner. It's a short, short, short book. Um, he published title. it. Yeah, he, re- he published it about a year ago, 2017 or so. Um, it's really, really, really small book. Um, and, and I'm telling you, absolutely. So that is so remarkable to me because I kind of this guy that kind of moves fast. You do. And, um, and, uh, and if I'm not careful, I will miss, I will miss the beauty of what God has done. I'll miss the beauty of creation. I'll miss the beauty in my wife's eyes and in my oh, children's yeah. uh, in my children's words. I'll, I'll miss that. And I'm not saying that just to suck up because you're sitting there like I'm, oh, I mean that. Thank you, dear. I appreciate that. So those are the things that are remarkable. Who is remarkable and what is remarkable in our lives? We'd love to know what's remarkable and who's remarkable in your life as yes. well. And so um, you can subscribe, I guess, to the podcast. That's right. And you can uh, email us. Um, S-J-G-A-P, J-G-A-P, like the store, 20 at gmail.com. That's right, Jeremy at crosswindchurch.net. You can also find us on various social medium. That's right. I am Powell Jeremy just about everywhere. I said medium. Media. Yeah. Medium. Yeah.